Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you for tuning in a second time today. And as always, episode 46, I was joking about. That's crazy. And I'm excited to have V on the show. V, thank you for being here. V is the director of Impact and Women's Programs at the James Beard Foundation in New York. The James Beard needs no introduction, but we are going to talk about why. Why the James Beard Foundation is so important always for the restaurant community, for our unsung hospitality heroes, and especially in this moment. So give us why. Why is the James Beard Foundation so pivotal, especially right now? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Jensen. Um, I think it goes back to the original ethos of how the James Beard Foundation came to be, right? James Beard was seeing a lot of French chefs, a lot of non-American chefs getting tons of accolades and wanted to amplify American gastronomy. And so he started his cooking school and it was always about putting a touch and a face and a personality to American gastronomy. And throughout that, you know, we saw our evolution go into being the arbiters of taste and the authority on food and all this fancy stuff at the awards that are of course very important and a high honor. Um, And in the last several years, we've seen the food community really take a turn into saying it's not just enough to be tasty and delicious. You have to be good. You have to be a good person. You have to be a good steward of the land. You have to be putting the right kind of fish on the plate. You have to be telling a story of life as it stands right now through the lens of food. And so a couple of years ago, um, we changed our mission to good food for good. And in the wake of this, um, you know, unprecedented, the word is used all the time, but it really is the only one that I can come up with now, uh, time in the restaurant industry, we're transitioning to what we're calling open for good. So okay. just like we've always transitioned right now, it's about what can we do for you today to give you a sense of security, to give you information that's specific to our industry and to help, you know, clear away the fog and maintain that humanity. Yeah, I really love hearing that. And the pivot is so nice. It's such a strange word that all of a sudden is just in all of our vernacular, like social distancing and PPP, which we'll touch on for a moment. And, and like, we're expected to understand what that means, but truly that that is a pivot to kind of think about the evergreen nature and the impact socially, economically, and just the responsibility that James Beard has taken in mm. being a leader in that. And then now in this moment, just being like, what do you need now? Not tomorrow or the next day or in the future or next year for the awards, what do you need today and so let's touch on that today because today you literally just got off of a webinar going through ppp let's actually you know what let's wait for ppp because i don't want to get our blood pressure too high not yet i gotta come down (laughs) yeah let's start with just how motivated you and everybody else that is working within the foundation is right now to bring value to the community as a whole yeah i think it's something that I mean, like all kids who want to end up in hospitality, I started with a degree in theater and then I worked in restaurants forever and ever and ever. Right. And so we we get into these places where we're performers, whether it's as a chef or it's as an actual performer um, or a server, bartender, anything. 
Um, and for me, when this first hit, I was like, we're going to need to create a space for folks to continue to tell their stories. And so we launched the webinar series, which is a daily series. I've never done a daily webinar. We usually do one a month and it takes a very long time to prepare. And you would be surprised at how much you can get done in a day when you are, you know, you're in the weeds. And it reminds me of being on the line in a kitchen to the level of like, you know, the ticket machine's going crazy and we've got a hundred covers coming through and everybody wants something nuts. And that part of you that is a hospitality provider clicks in and you say, I'm going to do the most work I possibly can in these next few hours until I literally pass out and get a shift drink. So these oh, next few it. hours has become maybe these next few months of being in the weeds, but at the same time, um, knowing that we're in service to people is just, I think it's ingrained in all of us at Beard to perform that way. And how quickly people who are called to service jump into service in these moments because the hospitality industry, you know, you look at the numbers and they're all over the place and I'm not going to act like an expert, but you know, let's say 20% of the people on unemployment and filing for unemployment are from the hospitality industry. 15.6 million people just in the industry as it's categorized. You start talking about farmers and supply chains. It's massive. Right. And yet they're the first ones to say, how can I feed people? Where can I go to donate my time? How can I, buy one apple from a farmer, let me know and I'll do it. What does it mean for you? And I, I want to point out, actually, uh, give Sarah Drew a, a shout out on your yeah. team, connected us. She and I were connected by Brady Aker, somebody out here in Colorado. And I'm just so struck by good people connecting good people and then good food for good, op like open for good. It's, it's good. It all feels really good. It's Talk a nice hug. It really is. Talk about that, how motivated you are going right back to getting your teeth kicked in in the restaurant and feeling that energy and being actually inspired by it, even though it's a hard time to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, in a lot of ways that I'm lucky to be as busy as I am and the fact that, you know, you have that certain mentality of like, if I'm going and going and going, I don't have to sit with the grief of what's happening around me. I can be a helper. I can make a difference for one person today or two people today, or I can, um, you know, even if it's just giving somebody an hour, a half hour, like what you're doing with your podcast to just take a break from their own thoughts and be in someone else's world for a minute. And so I feel extremely motivated by that because we're seeing, you know, I got into restaurants because I didn't want to have to think about the government. I didn't want to have to think about like taxes. Like, we had people for that. You know, there was like some yeah. wonderful person working in bookkeeping or accounting that handled all that. And we just had to worry about the food. And, you know, now what I'm seeing is us being able to bring those experts in through the influence of the James Beard Foundation and then getting them to have a peer to peer, real friendly, like sitting at a restaurant or across the bar from each other conversation about Here's what PPP means for you specifically. Here's what engaging your employees looks like for you specifically. And yeah, they are making more on unemployment. So how can we give them better benefits and thinking about the things that are important? But when you come to the table from a place of, of truly authentically being included in that family, I, I think we are, we're in a unique position to provide that education um, without pretentiousness and without propriety. You know, I've talked to Lindsay at the Lee Initiative and Randy at Fab and Carrie at Cherry Bomb and all these different folks. And, you know, we all kind of have our own cut turf when it comes to which programs we're all running. That's out the window. We're all doing everything together yeah. all the time. I got a sponsor I can't use. I'm going to give it to Lindsay at Lee. Carrie uh, knows that I'm I, I'm in trouble. I, I lost a, a podcast, somebody for the podcast. She'll jump right in for me, you know. Oh. 
and you're and if there's a silver lining to any of this it's all of us losing any sort of air and coming together collectively as a as a true family as a national global family it's it's so important it's funny right when you're saying that like the old adage of where's your section your section is the whole restaurant (laughs) right right. it's just like full hands in full hands out like that mentality is playing out right now to the nth degree you know we're not in control of that process but we're in control of what we do about that and i think that's really important we talked about it before i've talked about a bunch of times we are humans in an industry fueled by face-to-face interaction by being able to touch the guest high touch hospitality by being shoulder to shoulder with somebody in the kitchen that's what like really motivates us and in this moment we're put it into a lot of inhumane systems they're helping their support i'm not going to diminish that yet those systems are built for taking away some of the interaction because it bogs down the system. I get it for Mm -hmm. sure. What is that like? I mean, you must have thousands and thousands and thousands of communiques literally since we've been talking. How are you so motivated too? And how are you practically actually able to have one-on-one conversations like that? So, you know, it's a form, we've talked about some of what's going on as a form of grief. And I think nothing makes isolation, feeling alone. It's, it's something that comes from so many angles. And for us in the restaurant industry, you know, you're seeing the stimulus package come out and maybe your friend who works for a bank is now working from home and it doesn't seem so hard for them. And and none of these things seem to work for us. And those things are what make us feel other. And when you feel other, you feel a more personal sense of how this is hurting you specifically. and, And you feel more isolated. And so we've tried to do things. I mean, in my house here, we have the, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. I've cleaned this house and my oven in ways that I haven't cleaned since I was on the line. You know, like you try to do those things that make you feel normal. Um, And for everyone, that's going to be different. And we have to understand that there is grief to this. So some days I'm angry. Some days I'm, you know, I'm on the webinar and I hang up and I go lay in my bed and like look at my foot for an hour and I just feel ridiculous. Or I'll watch a Hallmark movie just to make myself cry before I go to bed so I can like release some of that pressure. And all of yeah. that is, you know, normal. Some folks are doing the Zoom thing and they're, um, they're, they're getting a lot of life out of seeing 15 people on their screen. That, that's not for me personally. So I think whatever your new normal is, is okay. You know, we had a conversation with Kat Kinsman the other day who runs Chefs with Issues. And she was saying, we don't know. Like the stuff that worked for you before which for a lot of us was pick up an extra shift, just go to work, just get through whatever's happening. The restaurant's the safe place has been taken away. So what does your new normal look like? Is it cleaning your oven top to bottom? Is it putting on your chef coat and making, you know, who yourself, your dog an omelet that's like a special new technique? And, you know, those things you can still do and you should feel permission to do even when it seems like it's for nothing. And I think that that is, that's helped us a lot with keeping mentality here. And we're going to see a lot of spice racks with labels out <laughs> and, you know, alphabetized all those different things that we instinctually do in the restaurants are now becoming coming home to us a little bit. And so there yeah. is there is the silver lining just to the fact that how we galvanize in this moment is unbelievable to me. I am so impressed with the humanity in the way that we are approaching each other. And there's look. There's lots of bullshit out there. There's lots yeah. of like yeah. reactions and hate. We see it left and right. And yet we can choose, even with so much out of our control, choose to be kind, choose to take care of each other. And more and more hospitality is like showing. We're going to show future generations what it means to be a human. Mm-hmm. And I think hospitality is going to come out 
in a really good place in that anthropological look at the this moment. And so I'm excited about that. And you yeah. and your team are taking a lot of responsibility for that. And that's mm. super heavy and it's challenging. Yet right now, this conversation feels like you're not reading from the script that the foundation has given you guys to be <laughs> no. like, here is our stance. It's like, no. hey, dude, what's going on right now with you and your in yeah, your life. I actually talking about the James Beard Foundation, and we do we have tons of incredible resources, and we have some of the smartest people in food working with us, and I'm so proud of our team. But I'm going to tell you the best piece of advice that I got. We do these um, team meetings a couple times a week with the whole team, and Claire, our CEO, who I absolutely I completely admire her for her leadership during this time, and she's making some really tough decisions and having to be the face of some really hard shit. And every so often, her two-year-old daughter will wander into the Zoom. And that's fun, right? Like, sometimes I have my dog or different things. And sometimes her daughter will wander into the Zoom or she'll call her into the Zoom. And so we were asking um, Sasha the other day, does she have any advice for us? And I'm telling you, this happened two weeks ago and it has carried me through. She was wearing a Princess Elsa costume. And she said, just do the next good thing, which is from Frozen, apparently. Like, if you don't know what to do, just do the next good thing. And I'm going to tell you, I have sat with that advice of like, okay, because I can work with that. You know what I mean? I can take the next ticket. I can do the next good thing. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen in three months, honestly. I have no idea. You have no idea. Like, we don't know what's going to go on. But like, I know what the next good thing is, and I can commit myself to that. And I think that that has been the most helpful advice to me. Beard has given me so far. This is incredible. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story about what you just told me. (laughs) Allie Allie Rosen, who's in your backyard as well. She's Mm -hmm. the host of Potluck with Allie. I mean, prolific, you know, media and brand personality. And we talked about Frozen 2 and that exact line. And when I saw her share the post, she's like, we talked about Frozen 2. When I had James Beard award-winning chef Jason Stanhope from Fig mm-hmm. and Charleston on the full podcast, he and I are buddies. We worked together when we were like 23-year-old punk kids. For <laughs> Debbie Gold, another James oh, Beard award-winning Debbie. chef who's doing amazing work at Found with Amy Morton. Like The connection of good people is so profound. We were joking about talking about how he watches the Kardashians as a way to unplug. I was like, that's amazing and unbelievably scary to me. Yeah, and we talked about Frozen Two as well. So Frozen Two is like now going to be—it's the I mean, anthem. I mean, it's the anthem it of is. the coronavirus. This is, this is totally crazy to me. So, Let so it go. do the next good thing. What a what a <laughs> tangent that is exactly like exactly what we need. If people take nothing else away from this conversation, go watch Frozen Two for a moment and just be inspired. <laughs> yeah, Tiger King. <laughs> And then Frozen 2. Those are what's keeping... And 90 Day Fiance, if you want my, like, guilty pleasure, terrible. Oh, okay. I like it. We're jumping right... This show's all <laughs> over the place. We're jumping to the playlist now. I like it. Tiger King. Of, oh, yeah. Uh, we had to watch that. Frozen okay. 2. And what was the other one you just said? Um, What did I just 90 say? Day... 90 Day Fiance. Oh, it's a nightmare of a show, but it's hilarious. And you could... It's one of these things where it's so mind-boggling and just sort of mindless <laughs> that you can lose yourself in someone else's journey and feel like you know, yeah. at least I'm not that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why a lot of people are watching, you know, like Outbreak and Contagion and Armageddon because it's like, whew, at least we're not there. Somehow right. contextualizes a hard time. So definitely. And then we're watching Frozen too. And the contradiction is so real 
and I'm, I'm into it. Like you are doing inspiring work and then you're staring at your foot for an hour and crying <laughs> yourself to sleep. And that's your experience in this moment. Yeah. And that's the right experience in this moment, whatever that is for you, as long as you keep yourself balanced. And so from that, I love that how anecdotal we just got to, you just had a webinar yes. about PPP. It's my PPP, fourth one. The protection plan, the EIDL, the SBA, C-A-R-E-S Act. It's actually an acronym, mm-hmm. like social distancing, pivot, like these words that have now become so part of our lexicon that never were before and we act like they're normal they're not normal no it's not normal to be talking about this in the hospitality industry so we're not going to give anybody answers i just want to let everyone know there's no there's no answer because they are all so personal and unique to you your situation your business your people your city all of it yet give us the tenor of how james beard and you specifically are trying to navigate people through that conversation Yeah. So I think one of the things to be, give yourself freedom to do is to source experts. And that's what we've done. Um, You know, we got a lot of smart people that work for us, including our whole own financial team. That's incredible. And they read it and they had some ideas and of how to use it and what we could possibly say, but we were able to partner with accountants and lawyers and HR people. And it does take all three to understand it because what essentially happened is the government said, Hey, here's this thing that they had never, ever thought of they were going to have to use or whatever. So they're sort of figuring it out. So they're, you know, whatever. And then a lawyer has to interpret the law of what was written. And then the accountants are interpreting the regulations applied to that law. So what you maybe see on, you know, the mainstream news or anything you're seeing on television, as far as the news is often just dealing with the federal piece or what that politician said And then your accountant is the one who's going to deal with how the state or the federal regulations are applied to how that money can be used. And then your HR person is going to be like your little Jiminy Cricket saying like, I know that you want this to be the silver bullet, but 75% for payroll means 75% for payroll. And, you know, because the rules and regulations are changing so quickly and because they are so unclear, people think that leaves a lot of room to interpret the law. And it doesn't. So I think if there's one thing I've taken away from the four PPP EITL loan uh, webinars that I've done, um, it's really get an expert on that before you use it. It's not a silver bullet um, and it might not be for you. A lot of people are upset they didn't get it. And in some cases, it's not applicable to our industry quite the way that we wish it was. And there are other things um, that we can do. Yeah. And I think even just the catch-all phrasing that I mentioned earlier that then now it's being attributed to it. And so you hear bailout, but when you look at the, the fundamental structure of it, it's not a bailout in any way, shape or form. No. It's actually redirecting potential unemployment funds through banking and then through businesses as the conduit for that to then be able to maintain employment for a specific group of people. Like yep. ugh, that's so confusing on so many levels. And then we're also writing a law that is not yet actually understood. So you may break the law before the law is actually crystallized in a way that it can be fully interpreted. So, so many layers of challenges. The new one I heard today was that some people are thinking that they have to, whatever amount of money they get, then 75% of the money that they spend needs to be on on payroll, which is true. And then it does not include FICA, but includes some. However, now they're talking about 75% 75% of the total needs to be spent, not just the amount of money you spend. Have, have you heard that now too? 
So we know that new things came out today and we talked about it with Sarah Deal from our webinar just before this one. And we're going to have to go back to the lawyers to further understand it. Um, The fact is really no one in the independent small restaurant group got one. So we're having a heart, like sort of a bigger fight on like, well, they need to have something and, you know, figuring out what that means. Um, Yeah, I don't have that answer right now. I know, I know that some folks are thinking, well, if I, if I don't, um, use it exactly the way that it's written presently. Right. It's just a 1% loan and 1% money is cheap money. And I think that's worth it for me. And what we heard directly from the lawyer is don't make any interpretations by yourself because you could potentially be on the hook for fraud when this is done. So if it's, it's, it's so maddening and it's so annoying, but it's also like, you don't want to in a month or two have a huge loan that is now not forgivable and potentially additional fines or I don't know, jail. I don't know what they do yeah. um, for fraud. So it, it's, it's a very dangerous, touchy situation that that's why we keep every week having the updated webinars on this. And you can find our webinars at jamesbeard.org slash relief. Everything you need to know is there um, in terms of like what resources we have available, but we don't know. And it keeps changing. And the other thing I want to caution restaurant owners on that the accountants were talking about is like, a month ago, would you have taken a loan of this size? Is that something that you factored into your cash management, into your business, into your menu price? Like to reopen it, you know, we have to accept and grieve the fact that normal doesn't exist and it won't. And even if you get to open, what does that look like and will people come? And, you know, Kelly Fields put up like a sort of impromptu survey on her Facebook the other day saying, how long will it take? for you to feel comfortable dining in my restaurant, extremely reputable, awesome chef. And folks were like, August, because I yeah. trust you, because I trust you, August. So think about that. You know, Do you want to take this money? Do you want to take this loan? And what's that going to do to you and your business overall? Is it worth it? You got to weigh that, but you got to get people, you know, and we have people folks can talk to if they have questions. Yeah, I think the talking about the experts and even more than just purely an expert, because there's lots of, pundit experts that then pull you in a thousand directions and and spin you in circles and it's it's so maddening and frustrating it's trusted like the trusted experts so make sure that those things live in unison with each other and i think about it from the banking perspective you know a lot of people i know on wells fargo and chase and they're now like small bank that has four locations because those people are invested in that community forever yep not for and it's it's good for them because they have enough money flowing in through their system yep. that it makes sense yep. for them to give you a couple perks because of your business xyz blah 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 yeah but though trusted experts and so it's like having somebody who even this we're not trying to give people all the answers we're just trying to humanize this process right now and the fact that i now now know v makes me feel more <laughs> confident that i know a place to go and look <laughs> ask a question and either you're going to say, I have no fucking idea, or you're going to uh, hear people that might know the answer, and we've vetted them, and we trust them. Yeah, it's like anything, you know, you want to, like service, if we go back to service, right, yeah. you should listen as much as you can when the chef is giving the specials and what's in them. If you miss something, and a guest says to you, is there onions in this, you say, I'm not sure, I'll go find out. Now, should you have already known that, you're probably going to get a little burn when you go ask again, but you're going to ask mm-hmm. again, and it's the same thing for us. 
we are trying to keep ourselves as abreast of the situations as they're coming out as we possibly can. Um, Catherine Miller, Ashley Koziak, and Megan Storms from our advocacy team are literally on calls regionally, daily, like just going ham sandwich bananas, uh, trying to advocate for restaurant rights and getting to understand what this means from a political, which is also not a place that we ever, I mean, I don't think any chef ever saw themselves really needing to be this politically active. Um, but but it's effective. People listen to chefs. Chefs are cool. And they are the backbone of their community. And so if you go on jamesbeard.org slash relief, you'll get our Chef Action Toolkit, which teaches you how to find your representative, who you call about which piece of the thing is bugging you in your community and how to move the needle with the collection of all of the chefs across the nation that are, you know, fighting for equity um, for their for our industry. It, uh, v, I get it now. I get why you're in your position because... <laughs> As a chef, as a former restaurateur, somebody who is like embedded in so many levels of the industry, I feel you. And I, I'm like, you understand exactly where I'm coming from and vice versa. And I think yeah. that's an important thing is when we start to politicize so much, we're always kind of the industry that's like, that's not, that's just not me. We're going to make sure that people have an amazing time. We're going to express our creativity and our emotion and our artistry in a certain way. We're going to be this crazy island of misfit toys, a bunch of yeah. pirates and rebels. <laughs> like, we are going to be, we're going to be other because we decided that that's what we are. And yeah. now having to jump in this with both feet just to survive is so, again, it's, it's challenging. And so when I speak to a lot of people who are experts and I go, you don't, you don't get me at all, do you? That's that may, makes a big difference. Do you do you sense that? Do you feel that responsibility when you're communicating with people yeah, in hospitality? Absolutely. I think hospitality folks, you can you can tell who's who's one of us versus who's not. You know, it's you know, do you work in the restaurant? Are you a good tipper? Are you a pain in the ass that I don't want to wait on? You know, and like Jenkins, <laughs> I have a whole forearm full of tattoos. I can't I can't work anywhere else. Like. I love it. have to save this industry, okay? Like, for all the neck tattoo, forearm tattoo misfits out there, and for all the professional white tablecloth guys out there, like, for women, we're making such incredible strides as it came to parity in this industry, and we cannot lose that. So that's something Beard is still extremely focused on, is gender diversity, gender diversity, equity, and parity. It's we can't lose the strides that we made in the last, you know, really the last five years, 10 years um, to, to sort of folks trying to put us back in a box or not listening to us. And so, you know, you have a community that is incredibly motivated who are the first line helpers and who are the coolest people in their community that folks want to be friends with and listen to. So that's a great position to be in when it comes to how we're going to recover, rebuild and how we're going to reset our foundation. Cause I think there is an opportunity for that. The way that restaurants were built before didn't work for us. It didn't work for the way we wanted to treat people. It didn't work for the way we wanted to do service. It was maybe built, it was built like the tipping thing is a mess in a lot of cases and like a holdover from a real bad time. And this is our opportunity to say, hey, y'all just sat in your houses for six weeks. So when I tell you this is how the dish is made, this is how the dish is made, my man, or go back and cook at your house, right? Like we don't want to go back to that. <laughs> So I think we have the opportunity to take back a lot of the power that the customer had before and a lot of the power that even the media had before and say, we are the creators, we are the heart, we reset ourselves, and now we have a new set of standards for what our non-negotiables are going to be. And this is sort of our opportunity to reset that and treat ourselves and our industry the way that we truly deserve to be seen and treated. Yeah, I think a couple things. When did we Yeah, become- Jensen, get fired up on that. I'm like... 
I'm like, over here, I, I punch my fist even more, but it makes a, a <laughs> awkward noise for the, the Facebook Live here. Like, when did we become the cool kids? Because I remember just being like, I just don't want what they have over there. And, you know, I was like, I'm super smart and talented and blah, 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 yep. blah, all those things. Yet, I don't want to go into that system. That sounds like death to me. Yeah. I'm going to go with a, a bunch of misfits, as you yep. put, all, all, of the, all of the different titles that we've given ourselves or that Bourdain gave us, you yes, know, and made us proud to be that pirates, right? When, when did that happen? I don't know. We're going to answer that. But now we do have significantly stronger voices leverage yeah. the ability to affect our own outcomes in a way that we never did before from the operators, but all the way down to those unsung hospitality heroes that I'm so mm -hmm. passionate about. You have that voice. And here's the interesting thing about the dynamic you just talked about. And I want to touch on this because we can now take back the power. And at the same time, we have an opportunity to communicate more openly with each other and with our, our audience than we ever have before. Because we also were very quick to demonize people because they mm -hmm. wanted something that wasn't what we were offering. Yet we weren't open to there was a myriad of other offerings that we could engage in and not be so rigid in our thinking. And so that contradiction. Mm -hmm is at play right now. And I really hope that we come out in a way that is the most equitable, has the most parity and actually has the most sustainability. I want 65 year old cooks retiring. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I want that. We don't see that though right now because we're not built for sustainability. Right. And that's what we, you know, are really th have the opportunity to kind of reset now. How are people going to approach this industry and how are we going to continue to attract and retain talent when they know if, if you don't offer health insurance, that might not be a possibility for somebody to choose that life and, you know, people choosing yeah. conventionality versus passion and all that kind of stuff. And we want to make sure that we're still, we're still that place um, where the cool kids go. And I think the cool, the cool factor, I think we were always the cool people and they just were go. like, Ugh, whatever, I'm a square. Um, but television did a lot for chefs and chef meaning chief and really having that leadership uh, quality. We knew that in our own communities and in our own sure. industry. But oftentimes it was still looked at as a service position to other folks, right? Like, yeah, you're the chef, but you're in service to these people. You were the help. You were the help. And it's like, you know, sure, okay, but there is a lot of power in that. And there's certainly a lot of power in that now as people are realizing more and more what it takes to produce a dish. And my ultimate hope is that we get away from the cheap eats thing. And with all the webinars and webcasts and podcasts we've done in the last couple of weeks, Facebook's algorithm tells them that the number one thing people want to do when they get out of confinement is go out to dinner. So you've got a lot of leverage there. And then the future of food journalism was talking about smaller communities, smaller menus, hyper local, because that's all you're going to be able to really get. Um, yeah. And and I really hope and the journalists promise me that they're going to stop doing cheap eats because that contributed to the overall sort of diminished value of the, the industry and of what's on the plate, you know. Um, and covering these, it's going to be an equalizer and a reset in a lot of ways. And I think that's going to leave a lot of room for folks to, to rise up even more than they had. Yeah. When we, when we talk about the food industry, I, I contextualize it in time. I mentioned just the anthropological look on it. And I think about that a lot. I think about how we're actually only in our adolescence. And so mm -hmm. that is a time for us to make dumb mistakes. And we've made lots and lots of those. It's times where we consume too, way too many substances that we shouldn't. And we're right. trying to figure things out. And we're poking and prodding. We're told we're wrong. And we're pushing back against things that are probably actually correct. 
but we don't want to listen to our parents. But if your cool <laughs> uncle tells you, then all of a sudden, now we're different. Like, yeah. Now, so it's different. And so now is the time for us to like really define ourselves. And that doesn't mean that things that happened in the past should be demonized. No, we can just continue to evolve from it. Like I've woken up in my car like a fucking yeah. idiot. <laughs> yet I also have the fondest memories of the humans that I was around in that time. And we're still connected and great friends. I mentioned Jan- Jason Stanhope when we were 23, we were doing dumb stuff. Yeah. Yet, yet it, it matters in the way that we evolve because it is our shared history. And so yeah. I'm excited about that. And I'm excited that, that, you and the James Beard Foundation are thinking in that way that you can be a conduit to further that conversation versus being like, here's what you have to do to be yep. a part of our community. And that's the only thing you can do. And if you're not, then all of a sudden you're other. And not I think one own. of the one of the great things that's happening now, too, is people are able to look at the hospitality culture, like what it's like to work in a kitchen, what drew people there, that empathy. And we can lead with that. There's a lot of folks yeah. who tried to professionalize the kitchen and they did that right. in ways of, you know, you know, corporate restaurants, different things, everybody, you know, valuable in their own different way. But this idea that the industry needed to be professionalized and what does that mean, both like diversity wise and ethically and all of that. But now we're saying, okay, you know, you could be an idiot kid and you still had a job the next day because your owner or your head chef was like, yeah, kids going through something, man. I mean, there was more forgiveness than there was anything else. And everything could be fixed by, by the end of the night. We were on to our next service. You know, what happened today was forgotten. We took that lesson. We were better the next day. And I think that that's something that I hope other industries are learning from us and that we maintain. And I know that we will. And another thing that folks are doing a lot of right now is coming up. We're creators, right? Yeah. So they're coming up with CPG products or they're, you know, restaurants who never thought they would do to go have now figured out to go. And so a lot of the sort of like, um, you know, high-endiness of things, they're they're figuring out what works and they're getting in more people's homes. And I think that that is just incredible. And everything that you're building right now, whether it's a home meal kit or you're coming out with a line of sausages that you're going to sell in retail or you're doing take-home cocktails in the States that allow that, I hope that all of those things become additional revenue sources for you as we continue to open the traditional restaurant. So you got your dine-in experience, you got your to-go experience, you're at home, you've got something on the shelf at Whole Foods or your local common market, um, and everything you're doing today will be a value to you later. So it could be frustrating and it's not what people want to do, but that money is going to be there for you later. And that's how we're going to really recover is through diversifying our portfolio and not being the shit. You know, Hugh Atchison said he had $23 in his bank account and they're like, you have all these cute restaurants and he's like and that's why i have 23 dollars like how we go to um you know having the financial freedom that other small business owners have is through this diversification of products and getting in more people's homes and replacing things like you know getting ashley i would buy ashley christensen's cheese sauce anywhere in the world over i would buy mac and cheese you know what i mean like let's get those products out there and let's get them in more people's homes yeah, and being where your community needs you to be and yep. defining that community, I think is going to come out of this even more to your point sure. that, you know, it's easy for us, like in this moment, I don't want to get too far on a tangent here, but it's easy to demonize delivery apps. And yes, there's a lot of practices that are pretty rough predatory, on restaurants. Yeah. Predatory. <laughs> yeah, like the worst thing you could possibly be. Let's just go there. Yes, define that. Yeah. Yet, you can't uh, just... Don't demonize the person that really wants your tacos in their home while they watch Tiger King. Like, yeah. that's just what they want. So I think allowing for that space 
but we need to own the resources in that way. Yeah. We need to be responsible for them and we need to, they need to be our guests, no matter what platform we are delivering that experience. Even if we can't do high touch, we are still delivering on our message. So uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> You really quickly touched on on Lindsay and the Lean Initiative, but talk yes. about a couple of the initiatives that you guys are specifically supporting and working with. Uh, we're going to have Lindsay on the show, and I'm excited about what they're doing specifically, but that is in your purview that the James Beard Foundation is collaborating with. Yeah, so just off the sort of top of my personal world, and our community is very large, so if I don't say the one that we're working with you, it's just because my particular department isn't, and I might not be aware of it with the way that we're like so crazy right now. Um, Lee Initiative is someone I'm talking to every single day. I'm talking to Lindsay about what we can do with food. Um, We have a lot of our house purveyors who have become donors. Our relationship with American Airlines is donating a ton of food both to the World Central Kitchen and to the Lee Initiative and to other Um, folks who come to us looking for help. Uh, We are leveraging all of our partners for expert advice. Um, You know, we've got Audi's going to start giving cars out to some people potentially like to to help run food around. I mean, that's something we're working on. The Chef Action Toolkit is really a highlight. And I I strongly suggest there's a a lot of smart people put work into that. Um, And you can find out about all the things we're doing at jamesbeard.org slash relief. That's where our industry seminars are coming up. Um, next week, I, I really want to point out for people, we did one this week on culinary cannabis, which was real fun. And the nice. ACF has a culinary cannabis certificate, and they offered a code to take that class for free. So you'll want to go check out the recording for that if you have any interest in moving into the culinary cannabis space. ACF is coming back on Monday with Ecolab to talk about the importance of updated sanitation. And I think this is going to be one of the key differentiators between where people choose to dine. It's going to be previous reputation of the restaurant, but it's also going to be, hey, here's everything I did while we were shut down to make sure that you and the people who work here are safe. And spoiler alert, they're also going to give out a code for their 30-hour food safety handler certificate for free. So you're going to want to join that on Monday. Um, Aside from that, we have an incredible lineup of expert speakers coming to you, just like we had a conversation today. Maybe a couple less F-words, but, you know, we got a different platform. Uh, Um, Not always, though. Not always. We get deep on stuff. Um, Yeah. You know, so follow us for um, those industry support webinars, and you'll find that all at jamesbeard.org slash relief. I love it. And specifically Monday, what time? And is that you hosting that webinar? Yep. So I host it every day at 2 p.m. You'll get to see this home pompadour fade get better good. throughout the way. Oh, man. Yeah. Learning a home haircut. I was like, I, I I'm, life skills. I mean, look, I, I'm going to I'm going to humble brag here for a minute, but I'm known for having really dark, really nice hair. And it's under this hat because it is a it's a maniac. Yeah. I can't even contain it right now. I was so. just like, knife skills are knife skills. A razor is a blade. I'm going to cut my hair. That's going to be it. It's going to be fine. I so. love it. Well, you're, you're working it. You still got it together. Thank if, you. If, if this goes too much longer, we're, our, our hat game is going to have to get real strong. I know. So, yeah, that's a little bit about what we're working on. Um, and I'm just honestly so proud of our teams and everything folks are doing. You know, you have people at Beard Foundation who are doing things they've never done before um, and who are leveraging literally every single contact they have, both to raise money for the fund, which we raised uh, $4.5 million in about one week, um, which is foregoing, you know, we're a nonprofit. It's foregoing fundraising for our organization to put the restaurants first. And that was the right thing to do. So we did that. 
Um, and so those funds are going to be going out in $15,000 no-strings-attached grants to folks. Um, the application has closed for that, but you'll start to see how it's affecting people across the nation. Um, and we may do, be able to do another partnership for another round, we hope. Um, and again, just continuing to try and do the absolute best we can, do the next good thing. Yes, I love it. And just give us size and scope, just and we'll end with this. How many humans are working within the James Beard Foundation? So we have about 50 people, full-time staff, including the house staff. The house is, you know, of course, shut down right now. It is a restaurant experience. We can't fly the chefs in, you know, to do what they do. Um, so in the impact team, which is my team, particularly, there are six of us um, focused on advocacy, webinars, uh, education, scholarship, funding, fundraising, all that kind of stuff is my sort of like little subsect of the world. It's I a small it. group. The not all heroes wear capes. Some have <laughs> tattoos and pumps, and that is damn fine with me. Thank you so much for thank taking, you, taking some time today. Thank you for the work you're doing every single day. And we're going to come out of this not bigger, but better, faster, and stronger. That's for sure. That's right. And definitely more delicious. So we'll more delicious. Open for good. I love it. V, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. They're the real deal at the James Beard Foundation. You know, when you hear of a foundation like that and the glossy of the awards and the accolades, things like that, and the prestige of cooking at the Beard House, you forget that there are some fucking kick-ass human beings with their pomps and their tattoos and their kitchen lingo that are out there hustling, working really hard for our unsung hospitality heroes. And I include them in that and that was an amazing conversation just the vibe and how many how many different platitudes of restaurant life we got to drop was super fun so thank you to v thank you to sarah drew for connecting us thank you to brady acres for connecting sarah and i good people connecting good people good food for good open for good it's it's all good this shit sucks right now but we humans in hospitality always always find a way. So I'm excited about that. Appreciate you guys as always. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.